In an article he wrote a few years ago, Catholic author Mark Brumley tells of an experience he had back in college during a European history class. The professor, who happened to be a fallen-away Catholic, stated during his lecture that the Catholic Church had supported human slavery at various points in her 2,000-year history. When one of Brumley's classmates challenged the professor and tried to defend the church, the teacher responded by saying, I'd like to buy your argument, but the facts are other than you assert. How is it that Catholic countries such as Spain and Portugal promoted the slave trade in America? if, as you claim, the Catholic Church actually brought the end of slavery? How do you explain certain bishops of the American South defending the practice? Unfortunately, the student wasn't able to defend his position. And as Brumley said in his article, the Catholics left that undergraduate history class thoroughly trounced. Now you know why some young people lose their faith in college. It's because of conversations like that that go on in college classrooms all the time. If you have a young person, if you have a son, a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandson who is in college right now, make sure you pray for them every day, even if they go to a Catholic school. Because not everybody in a Catholic school teaches what the Catholic Church teaches. If that student had heard this homily prior to his encounter with that professor, he would have known the truth. Then he would have been able to say to his teacher, with all due respect, Mr. Professor, you're wrong. The Catholic Church has never officially endorsed the practice of human slavery. Quite oppositely, many popes, including people like Eugene IV and Paul III, who lived at the time when the slave trade was in high gear, have vigorously condemned it. So too does the contemporary catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 2414 to be exact. Now, have some individual Catholics over the years been silent in the face of slavery? Of course. But lest we forget, so have many atheists been silent. So have many people who embrace other religions been silent. Have some baptized Catholic rulers some baptized Catholic kings supported slavery during the last 20 centuries? The answer is yes, of course. Have some Catholic clerics, including some bishops in America, in the pre-Civil War years, have they also supported slavery? Of course! But why should any of that surprise us? In every generation 
There are Catholics who personally support things that the Church officially condemns. Today, for example, we have Catholic lay people and also Catholic priests who support abortion. I have been told there are people who come to Mass here every Sunday who proudly say they are pro-choice. There are priests like that too. There are Catholic members of the clergy and lay people who support contraception and same-sex marriage and a lot of other sinful behaviors. Catholics of the past who supported slavery or who were involved in the slave industry were just like these dissenting Catholics in the church today. They were Catholic in name only. Not in what they taught, not in what they supported, not in what they stood for. That's what the student should have said. I should mention at this point that I'm speaking here in this homily about the kind of slavery where human beings are deprived of their rights and forced into service and treated, in effect, like property. I'm not talking about the practice of keeping criminals or prisoners of war in jail. Some people call that slavery. That's something different. Nor am I speaking about voluntary servitude, which has existed in various places at various times in various cultures in the last 2,000 years. That also is something different. All of this should help us to put today's second reading in proper perspective. This passage is taken from the letter of St. Paul to Philemon, and it deals directly with the issue of human slavery. The letter, incidentally, is one of the shortest in the Bible. It's 25 verses long. That's not chapters, that's verses. So I highly encourage you to go home and to read the entire letter. If you're a fast reader, it'll take you about a minute. If you read really slowly, it'll take you all of two minutes. So don't say you don't have time. You can pull it off. The letter is directed to a wealthy Colossian man named Philemon, who had become a Christian through the missionary efforts of St. Paul and his companions. Philemon was also an owner of slaves like many other wealthy men of his time. Lest we forget, back in the first century, slavery was pretty much a universal phenomenon. No doubt Philemon had owned slaves long before he became a Christian. In Colossians 4 and Ephesians 6, St. Paul tells masters to treat their slaves with kindness and with fairness, which, by the way, was a radical thing to say at the time. That was a radical idea back then because slaves were not treated with dignity and respect. So hopefully Philemon treated his slaves with greater respect after he became a Christian. Hopefully he did. But nonetheless he did own them. One of these slaves was a young man named Onesimus. Well, at some point prior to the writing of this letter, Onesimus had escaped from Philemon. 
And he had taken some of his master's stuff in the process. He grabbed some of his master's shkarol, so to speak, as he went out the front door. That made him a thief, as well as a runaway slave. But then he met St. Paul, who happily converted him to Christ. He had already converted his master, now he converted him. Paul at the time was in prison. Then the apostle sent Onesimus back to Philemon. He sent the runaway slave back to his master, along with this letter. Now some people say that means St. Paul supported slavery. No, it doesn't. In fact, it's quite clear from what he says in the letter that he opposed it. But Christians like St. Paul found themselves in a very difficult position. Hopefully we can at least try to understand it. Remember, in the first century, Christianity was an illegal religion. Consequently, Christians had no power civilly whatsoever. They couldn't change the existing laws regarding slavery or anything else for that matter. They were forced to tolerate the legal situation as it was, while at the same time trying to change people's minds and hearts on the matter. You know what? It's very similar to the way pro-life Americans have to approach life issues right now in the United States. Those of us who are pro-life are forced to tolerate the laws of our land right now, the unjust laws that allow the killing of the innocent, while at the same time we try to change people's minds and hearts on the matter so that someday everyone, every innocent human life will be respected in the United States from conception until natural death. So it's a very similar set of circumstances. And the sad reality is, my brothers and sisters, there are still some minds and hearts in the world right now that need to be changed on this issue, on slavery. Some of you may be thinking, Father Ray, why are you talking about this? That issue belongs in the far distant past. It does not. Slavery still exists. It still exists in the United States. We need to be aware of that. We just call it by different names nowadays. Like human trafficking. You've heard the term? That's slavery. The other day I did a Google search on my computer and I found this quote on a government website. According to US government estimates, about 800,000 to 900,000 men, women, and children are trafficked each year across international borders worldwide for sex and for other purposes. Approximately 18,000 to 20,000 of those victims are trafficked into the United States itself. We need to pray for this to end. Slavery by any other name is still slavery. And it's still wrong. That message is implicit in this letter of Paul to Philemon. In effect, Paul says to Philemon, look, I could order you to do the right thing here. I could order you to free Onesimus. 
Since I'm your spiritual father, I'm the one who brought you to Christ. But I'm not going to do that. Philemon, I want you to do the right thing of your own free will. I want you to choose to act virtuously here. So I'm honoring the law of the Roman Empire, unjust though it might be, and I'm sending Onesimus back to you. But you need to understand something. After he escaped from your service, I converted him to the faith. So he's my spiritual child now also, just like you are. And if he's my spiritual child and you're my spiritual child, that makes the two of you brothers. You are brothers in the Lord. So I ask you to receive him back as your brother, not as your slave. And if he owes you anything because of what he stole, charge it to me. As his father, as his friend, I'll be more than happy to pay his bill. A great Catholic writer once said, I don't want a church that's right when the world is right. I want a church that's right when the world is wrong. The church was right about the evils of slavery from the earliest days of her existence. The church was right about slavery when the rest of the world was wrong about it. Please take that thought with you today. And if you're a student, you guys here, the rest of you students who are going to go to college someday, make sure you take this thought with you when you go. Because it's one of those thoughts that can keep you from losing your faith.